Good morning, everyone. Welcome. You like our, our background music here? Our little warm-up band there? Oh, thank you. <laughs> Isn't that great? We're glad you're here today. We welcome you and uh, hope God's going to bless in a very special way today. We are here to worship the Lord. And look at there coming in. Welcome. I hadn't seen you in such a while. Glad you are here today. Uh, we're glad that everybody's here today, and, and like I said, we hope that God's going to bless you in a very special way today, and we, we welcome our, our guests today especially, and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family this morning as we worship the Lord. A uh, few, few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Actually, uh, if you will bear with me, I've got a whole list of announcements to make today, so if you'll bear with me for just a moment, uh, I would appreciate it. First of all, let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets that are on each row there on the clipboard. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out. Pass it down the row so the people down the row can fill it out as well. Uh, we would certainly appreciate you doing that so we could have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Uh, this week, uh, we will begin our consignment sale. Um, our, we, we do this twice a year and we will be beginning Let's see here. Wednesday? Wednesday. People bringing it when? Wednesday and Thursday. Okay. Bring your materials, your, your uh, uh, stuff you want to sell on Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll be selling on Friday and Saturday, right? Selling on Friday and Saturday. So if you have some things that you would like to put in the consignment sale, uh, we encourage you to do that. And see Christine or Teresa. Is that right? See Christine or Teresa, and you can get your number for the consignment, and, uh, and we would uh, encourage you to be a part of that. Also, you may notice in your worship folder, there's, a, uh, there's an announcement about Habitat. We're going to kind of focus this month on it. We're going to call it a March for Habitat. Uh, as many of you know, we have committed to be a half an apostle, which means that we're going to... Um, uh, we've committed about $2,500 plus a lot of sweat equity towards building a house uh, here in Henderson this summer. And um, I'm not sure if they're out there yet, but by the end of the service, there will be little coin banks back here in the back that we want to encourage everyone to take one, take it home with you, drop your spare change in there every day, and... Uh, and we're going to do this all throughout the month of March and then bring them back. And that will go towards our, our part uh, for this Habitat build that's coming up this, uh, this summer. Uh, and if you want to put folding money in there, that's okay too. You know, that, we, we, we take quiet money as well as loud money. So that'll be, that'll be good. Uh, Lenten lunch, our Lenten lunch this week, uh, we're, we are uh, meeting together. The faith community of Henderson meets together in an ecumenical way and uh, during Lent at, with a lunch. And um, this week the lunch will be at the First United Methodist Church and it will be here on the, the following week, on the 12th. And uh, that's always a great time of fellowship with the, uh, the faith community, people from the different churches that are getting together. Uh, the lunch, the, the service will begin at about 12.05. It's only about a 20, 25 minute service and then we have lunch at 12.30. And so I, I'd encourage you to be here uh, or be at First United Methodist Church um, uh, this week. Next Sunday is our second Sunday cafe. 
Uh, we will meet here about 9.30 to have a little fellowship breakfast together. And as always on that same day, we, it is our cereal day, so we, we encourage you to bring in a box or two of cereal that we can contribute to the uh, uh, Henderson Christian Outreach for their food bank. And there are a couple of meetings. There are several meetings going on this week. I'll let you take a look at the uh, worship folder to see where you need to be this week. Uh, we will be having our church council today at 5 o'clock. And I was told that the trustees will meet today, but it will not meet. they will not meet at 4 o'clock like they were announced. They will meet at 7 o'clock this evening. Uh, so the trustees meeting will be at 7 o'clock this evening instead of 4 o'clock this afternoon. Um, and I think I've been through my list. Thank you for bearing with me. There, were, there was a lot of stuff to go through here, but it's good to be a busy church, isn't it? We're glad that you're here today, and, uh, and we welcome everyone and hope that God's going to bless in a very special way, and, and, uh, and it's great to be among brothers and sisters in Christ. So let me invite you to stand up and greet each other. Stand up, take, uh, shake the people, hands of, don't shake the people around you, shake the hands of the people around you. <laughs> and let's remain standing while we do a couple of praise songs.
remain standing. We have one more song. Here I am to worship. Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes, let me see. Beauty that made this heart adore you. Hope of a life split with you. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. King of all days, all days, oh so high. Exalted, glorious in heaven above. Humbly you came to the earth you created. All for love's sake became poor. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. I'll never know how much it costs. See my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon that. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Let's pray together. Oh God, you are altogether wonderful and lovely, and your gifts to us are remarkable, and we come to you in praise and in adoration today. We praise you for who you are. You are our creator, our savior, our sustainer, our father, our mother, our brother, our sister. You are in each of our lives and we recognize your presence in each other. We thank you, O oh God, for the blessings you give us each day and for the blessing of being in this place to worship you. 
We thank you for the gifts that we receive. And we thank you for the ability to give of ourselves to you so that your kingdom can be established in the hearts of people in this world. We pray your blessings upon us as we worship you today. We pray your presence among us will be felt in a very strong way. For we lift this up to you in the name of your holy name. Amen. time if you want to come up here it looks like Miss Mary is going to be sharing with you this morning and if you need somebody to come with you that would be great if you're visiting and don't know how that works be glad to have you with us down here can you all come up here and sit 
sit around me? Thanks. Hi, guys. How are y'all? This morning, we have a very special person with us. His name is Reverend Durham. He's sitting up there next to Dr. Hobbs. He's going to talk to us this morning about stewardship and being good stewards. Now, that's a really big word, and sometimes I have trouble with it. But what I think what it means is when God wants us to be good stewards, that means that we take care of things. If we are being a good steward, then we are taking good care of things. And that means lots of things. And so I brought some stuff this morning, and I need you to tell me whether or not I'm being a good steward. Now remember, being a good steward means I've taken care of things, okay? So you need to help me decide whether or not I've been a good steward. Okay, I brought this from home. Um, it looks what? It's, it's all crackly? It is all crackly. Now have I been a good steward? No, probably not. A friend of mine gave that to me, and I have not been a good steward. Uh, well, I are not enough water. That may be it, yeah. Okay, all right, let's see what else I've got in here. Oh, gosh, look at all this. Oh, oh goodness. Okay. It, I made a mess? Well... Somebody else will come along and clean it up. <laughs> Is that being a good steward of our building? No. Okay. Well, I guess, what do I have to do to be a good steward of our building? Clean it up. Does that count if I throw this, at, like, outside in the... I could leave, just leave it outside in the parking lot or throw it out the window on my way home. Would that be a good idea? No. Okay. That wouldn't be a good steward either. Okay. Here's a picture of my cat. I thought about bringing him this morning, but he doesn't do well in big crowds. Um, here's a picture of my cat, and I've had this cat almost 12 years. I got up this morning and I fed him, and I gave him some fresh water, and I dipped out his litter box. And he, ha he has trouble with his thyroid, so he has to have medicine <laughs> twice a day. So I've given him his medicine. Have I been a good steward? Yeah, okay, okay, well I can do something right at least. Um, I, I've been a good steward of Zachary, he appreciates that. Okay, now one of, the fa one of the things I really like to do is color. Do y'all like to color? You know, I'm old and I still like to color. Do you? Well, I, I got this coloring book, of course it has cats in it because of course I like cats. Um, you like cats too? Well, I got this coloring book, and you know, you know that's a pretty good picture, but I don't really like it very much. That's um, not a bad picture either, but I um, don't really like it very much. Okay, now this this one's not a bad picture, but that blue. Oh, that's an ugly shade of blue. Yeah, we're not going to do blue. Um, Am I being a very good steward of my toys? No. No. I, what do I need to do to be a good steward of my toys? 
Okay, okay, well not tear them up as, you know, as quickly as I get them and not be so picky. If I don't like the pictures, what could I do? Leave them or, you know, somebody else might want to color them. Okay, all right. Well, all right, here's one more thing. All right. All right. Oh, this is one of my favorite things. Reese's peanut butter cups. Oh, I love Reese's peanut butter cups. Do you all love Reese's peanut butter cups? Oh, me too. Mm, mm, mm. I love Reese's peanut butter cups. You all like Reese's peanut butter cups? Mm. What could I do to be a good steward with my piece Reese's peanut butter cups? I heard them back here. <laughs> what would I? What? How would I be a good steward with my Reese's peanut butter cups? Well, I could throw the wrappers away in the trash can. You're right about that. What? It, give, share them. That would be a good steward with my Reese's peanut butter cups if I shared them. If I shared what I have, that's right. If I shared my food or if I shared my candy or if I shared whatever I have, that's being a good steward and taking care of each other. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to meet you at that table right over there after church, after worship. And I'm going to share my Reese's peanut butter cups. I also have little snicker eggs in here. And I also have... Um, uh, oh, yeah, Butterfinger eggs in here. So um, if you will meet me at that table right over there, I really will share and be a good steward. Fair enough? Okay. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. wait. We're going to pray first. God, we are so grateful for today. We are grateful that you shared with us the beauty of the sunshine, the warmth that the sun brings because it's been cold and dark, God, and we are so grateful for the warmth and the sun of the sunshine. Thank you for these boys and girls who are here for helping us understand what being good stewards, being a good steward is. Thanks, God, for loving us, and God, we love you too. Amen. Sorry, I'm going to leave this mess. Very few times I think there comes a text through a new anthem because uh, that's, that's what I'm based on is text. Uh, melodies are cool and they're sort of emotional, but the text I really think where is where it lies. And this is a brand new anthem I think is destined to become a classic uh, over many years. And you may not feel this way today, but you may have felt times. I want to read some of these words that we're going to sing. The choir is going to sing in just a minute. It's a, basically a prayer. It says, My words lie still and lifeless as dust upon the sand. I can no longer voice one request or one demand. My cup of tears is empty. I can no longer cry. My lips have fallen silent. My prayer is but a sigh. Spirit, come and rest your ear upon my heart. Oh, come and hear my wordless prayer, my silent plea, and take them far away from me. Take them from this heart of mine to the Father's heart divine. Speak in tongue, tones unknown to man. 
that God may hear and understand. There are those times, if you haven't had those yet, when words won't do it, when you can't say anything. And that's when is God's word tell us. That's when the Spirit can come and create that for us. This is a setting saved by Craig Courtney and what is destined to be wonderful over the next few years. This will be the first time in this area that it's been sung. came out just this last year. And um, if this is not for you today, this is not something you need, file it away, because there will be a time when these words are needed.
Let's pray. Lord, we pray that we can live our lives, that you will be number one, first and foremost on anything in our lives. Because if we don't do that, we realize everything else below is going to suffer. We pray you would be with those who are grieving, those who have struggles and confusion and all those things that you alone can touch in the way you need to do that. We pray you would be with our offerings today and help us to use them wisely in ongoing of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I did not meet Don Durham until this weekend, though we have uh, a lot of common friends and, uh, and know a lot of the same people. Our paths just never crossed until this weekend, but I've had a, uh, a great time getting to know Don this weekend. Uh, Don Durham is the president of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Foundation, which is an organization uh, that takes, receives money, gifts, uh, and invest that money for various ministry opportunities uh, for churches and other ministry organizations. Uh, Don has, has been with us this weekend. He met with a group of us uh, yesterday to kind of lay the foundation for some visioning that we are doing during this year. And I uh, had a wonderful time with Don yesterday. Uh, for those of you who were here during the Bible study hour, uh, you you saw what was presented there as he presented some information about uh, various ways of giving and uh, how it's important for us as Christians 
um, that's a part of our discipleship is to is to give and to pro- provide for the ministry of God's kingdom. And now we've asked Don also to bring the message this morning, and we're looking forward to that. So welcome, Don. Which table were we meeting at later to get <laughs> Reese cups? Okay. I want to get that straight before we go very far. It really is uh, a pleasure to be here with you folks this morning, and it's been a good weekend. I want to say thank you to all the folks who came out yesterday uh, and to uh, Tim for inviting me to be here with you. It's, it's good to be back in Kentucky. I spent some important years here in seminary at an earlier time in my life, and this is a, a place that's familiar and that I like to be able to come to. So. Thanks for, the, thanks for the hospitality and the invitation. If you are like me in, in that you grew up in church, uh, you probably have a, a programmed reaction to the idea of a stewardship sermon. I, I mean, I, can, I know that. <laughs> and there's no reason not to be honest about that. My programmed response was essentially to tune out when I heard the uh, regular stewardship sermon. So I'm hoping your program response is not exactly the same as mine was, because I really would like to be able to interact with you some during this time. So I hope you won't tune out. You've probably also, if, you're, if you grew up in church and you heard the regular number of stewardship sermons, you probably know most of them by heart. And you probably have your favorite passage just is it, is it allowed for y'all to talk out loud here? Can y'all do, okay. Tell me what some of your favorite stewardship passages are. Now, we're not, I'm not doing requests. I'm not going to let you pick which one I preach on. I'm just curious what your favorites are. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. That's always a favorite. What, what are some of the other favorites? Really, I really do want you to talk. The widow's might. The choir's way ahead of you folks. <laughs> the widow's might. That's actually my favorite. We're going to spend some time on that later. Um, what else? What are some others? Yes. More blessed to give than to receive. That's a favorite one. Are there others you remember? The boy who gave the loaves and fishes. That's right. So you know all these stories, right? And, and you probably are familiar with where preachers tend to take those stories when they preach about stewardship. And growing up in church, I heard all those stories over and over again, and I heard what preachers had to say about them, and I like all of them, and I like what preachers had to say about all of them, but I, I have to confess, I always had sort of another question that never got answered for me. Even by my favorite story. I mean, my personal favorite is the story of the widow's mite. Now, you may not know that that story shows up twice, actually, in in the Gospels. It shows up in Luke, and it shows up in Mark. It's not in Matthew, it's not in John. You can find it in Luke, if you want to pick and see which one you like the best. In Luke 20, starting in verse 45... 
and continuing to 21 through 6. Now, I'm giving you more verses than you might be accustomed to having connected to that story, but that's important. And in Mark, which is my favorite place for that story, it's in 1238 through 13.5. Now, you're probably accustomed to hearing this. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth about a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who were contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had and all she had to live on. That's probably what you're accustomed to hearing as the story of the widow's mite. Is that, is that right? Well, you know, it's interesting in both Luke and Mark, when this story appears, it's always preceded and followed by the same thing. Here's what comes before it. As he taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for the sake of appearance, they say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And then he sat down opposite the treasury and watched this drama unfold in front of him. And then each time in both Luke and Mark, after the writer recounts for us this drama of contrast between the widow and her meager but faithful gift and the excessive but somehow ostentatious gifts of the scribes and Pharisees, we get this. As he came out of the temple, after this little drama unfolded, as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, look what large stones and what large buildings. And then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left here upon another. All will be thrown down. That's the story of the gift of the widow. It's not just the little drama that unfolded there around the collection pots in the temple, but there was something already going on between Jesus and his disciples in the midst of which he drew their attention to this woman and her gift. And then the conversation kept going as they left the building. And it's all connected together in both Luke and Mark. And to me, the connection goes something like this. We are not just givers. We are also receivers. As individuals, we come to church and we give graciously, faithfully, generously. Hopefully all those things are true. But as the gathered body of Christ, 
we are also the collective receivers of those gifts that we make individually. And we have responsibility for what we do with those gifts. And Jesus was painting a big picture here of some discrepancies between the purity of the gift of this widow and the uses of those cumulative gifts by these scribes and Pharisees. And it was a pretty stark contrast. Look at what these scribes and Pharisees are doing. They walk around saying long prayers and drawing attention to themselves and building up a facade of spectacular grandeur. And that's all paid for by these little bitty gifts that represent all somebody has to live on. And as we walk out, we look at the grandeur again and we can't help but be awed by it. And Jesus then reminds us, you know, but there's going to come a day when this building's not even going to be here anymore. Where do we invest the gifts with which we are entrusted by so many people and that was good, and by God. Where do we invest those gifts? Do we invest those gifts in buildings and stones or do we invest them in the lives of the people with whom we live? The children that we gather here and nurture and love and teach. Do we invest those gifts in the lives of the people with whom we create a community of faith? Do we invest those gifts, gifts in the lives of our neighbors with whom we minister and serve and among whom we minister and serve? Or do we build up a facade of grandeur? Now, I have to say, I really think you folks are doing a good job. I didn't know until I got here how frugal you had been in the way you have constructed your worship space. I'm really proud of what you've done. You don't have two big buildings that sit empty. You have one building that you use this way and that you use other ways. And I think that's a really grand example that a lot of other churches could follow. So please hear my sermon this morning as an affirmation and an encouragement, not as uh, banging you over the head. But when I hear the story of the gift of the widow, that's the question I'm, in, I'm, I'm called to ask by Jesus. What do we do with the gifts we receive? We have a responsibility to be sure that they're invested in things that last and not in things that will be torn down and won't be here someday. Now, the other thing I think of when I remember the widow's gift is... I'm reminded of the very first gift I ever gave. How many of you can remember? that? For some of you, that's a longer time back than for some others of you. I realize that. But how many of you can remember the very first gift you remember giving? If you can't, spend some time trying to. Because I suspect you'll be proud of yourself 
And I hope you'll be emboldened to recapture that generosity. The first gift I ever remember making was, I was about probably six or seven years old. It would have had to have been around first or second grade. And it was during that time when if either the president or Billy Graham was on TV, you couldn't watch anything else because we only had the three network stations and they were probably all three going to carry it. And I, I know some of you don't realize that there was a time when there weren't a hundred TV channels and you know, a constant selection of your favorite topic of television programs. But it's true, there was a day like that. And, and I was, in that day, I was about six or seven years old, and Billy Graham was on TV one night, so there was nothing else on. Um, and as was the custom in our house, when Billy Graham was on TV, we all gathered around and listened. And at the end of it, he made his typical appeal for money, um, which, you know, he never did that in his... Uh, in, in as cumbersome a way as it sometimes is done by folks who preach on TV today. But nevertheless, he made an appeal for money. And I remembered a dime that I had. Do you, re, do you remember that you used to be able to look at the edge of a dime and you could tell if it was really silver or if it was coated with whatever, chrome or whatever it is? I see some of you are nodding this way. Well, you used to be able to look at the edge of a dime and you could tell whether or not you had a really, a, a truly silver dime. And I had one of those. And frankly, at six or seven years of age, it was my most prized possession. There wasn't really anything else that I had yet that I cared as much about as that dime. And I, I just, I decided I needed to give that, I needed to send that to Billy Graham to Winnipeg, Manitoba. They needed it. Now, do you know how much a silver dime was worth? Exactly 10 cents. That's right. It's worth exactly 10 cents. It's not worth a penny more than it said it was on the face, but to me, it was the most valuable thing I had. And so my dad, he spent 30 minutes probably trying to explain to me that, you know, this dime is really just worth just as much as that dime. And you can keep this one that you're so proud of and we'll send another dime and it'll, it'll accomplish the same thing. But I was not going to have any of that because I needed to give the most valuable thing I had and it was that dime. And so we sent it off. Now in hindsight, having worked as a professional fundraiser and opening envelopes with change in them, I, I, I'm... I'm curious what somebody up in Winnipeg, Manitoba thought when they got that diamond. I'm sure they didn't even realize what they had. And it probably wasn't worth the combined cost of the envelope and the stamp that we used to send it up there. But I had done what I needed to do. Now, I confess to you readily that I have not always since then been that generous. I have not always been that pure in my giving. But I remember a time when I was. And I would encourage you to try to remember the most pure generosity that you've ever expressed. And those are the thoughts I have when I hear the story of the gift of the widow. I'm reminded of the purity of my own generosity at an earlier time in my life. And I'm reminded of the responsibility that we have when we receive gifts, 
But it still doesn't answer that basic question that I had about why it's important to be stewards. I always had that nagging question. No matter which, is there something I need to do with the, okay, it, there we go. No matter which of the favorite passages the preachers picked, no matter which direction they went with the story, I liked them all, but they all still left a basic question unanswered for me. And that is why it mattered to be stewards to begin with. I never could get an answer to that. I understood what the stories were telling us about how to be stewards, how to be generous, how to be faithful, but I just never understood why it mattered so much. And I, I kind of have a brain that works that way. I need to know why. And I didn't find that until one day I was in Genesis 1. And I'd invite you to go there with me now. I'm going to start reading in verse 27. So God created humankind in God's own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. And God saw everything God had made, and indeed it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Now, I simply can't stand here and say to you or even pretend to say to you that I know all that it means to be created in the image of God. But I can tell you this with some confidence. The God in whose image we were created is a giving God. See, I have given you everything. There's not a thing you have that God did not give you. You say, I'm a self-made person. Well, upon what platform did you stand as you made yourself? There is not anything you have that God did not give you. And to whatever degree we live out what it means to be human, we will find it in some part in the act of giving. We were created in the image of God, a God who gives. See, I have given you everything. I had the privilege once of working in a United Methodist uh, facility that, that worked with some really rough kids. Most of these kids had never had anything of value most of them came from families who had never at any point during that child's lifetime been able to support them adequately. 
Most of them had never known enough love, enough money, enough of anything. They never had had enough. And while they were in that program, one thing that happened each year was that the cottage, there were four different cottages in this residential treatment program, and each cottage each year at Christmas went through the social workers on our staff, and they found a family. They found a family somewhere in town that needed help in order to have the kind of Christmas that you and I would want to have with our kids. And the children in that cottage, who never had had enough, worked themselves to a frazzle, raking leaves in the community, doing car washes, just to get enough money to be able to buy some gifts to give to this other family that didn't have enough. You would not believe what happened to those kids when they did that. You see, for the first time in nearly every one of their lives, they were no longer the recipient of a gift. They got to give. And you know what that meant? It meant that they got, for the first time in their lives, the joy of being completely human. We were created in the image of a loving God. And to whatever degree we are generous, we are human. To whatever degree we are less than generous, we are to that same degree less human than God created us to be. And I've never seen it so clearly as on the ecstatic face of a 10-year-old who got to give something and got to know what it felt like to be human and to give. Our very first calling from God, our, our very first invitation from God, our very first covenant with God of any depth whatsoever was that we were invited to be caretakers. We were invited to be stewards. That's why stewardship matters. It simply isn't about paying the bills of the church or funding the budget or paying for anything that you see around you. The fact that what matters about being stewards is that we were created to be generous and we were invited by God in God's very first act toward us after our creation to be caretakers, co-creators with God. It's not a task to which we are called or an assignment that we receive. It is what we are. We are stewards. We are created in the image of a giving God. Go, therefore, and be human as you were created to be. Let's pray. God, thank you for loving us enough to give to us.